Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for September 18th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief, Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Writers, Huay Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. And it's uh, Chris's one-year anniversary at Slash Film. Happy anniversary, Chris. <laughs> it's true. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I just thought I'd mention that at the top of the show. But let, let's get into the news because we have a lot of news to get to because we, you know, doing the water cooler on Mondays means that we don't cover the Monday news until Tuesday. So we have like two days worth of news to dive into. And there, there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff. Let's start with uh, something, HD, I think you're going to want to talk about. And that is this Avatar, The Last Airbender. Uh, live action tv series that netflix has announced uh what do we know yes so when i first heard the news that netflix was developing a live action avatar the last airbender series it invoked in me a major rage that was only calms when i realized that the original <laughs> show creators michael dante dimartino and brian konietzko are on board to oversee and develop this project which will reimagine quote unquote the beloved nickelodeon series so forgive me i might go a little long on this because this is a series that is also near and dear to my heart i'm speaking a lot about things that i that i grew up loving and watching a lot so avatar the last airbender is set in this fantasy world that is uh, divided by four nations, each ruled by a different element, um, water, earth, fire, and air. And uh, people in this world have the ability to bend the elements and essentially being able to control these different elements in different martial arts styles. And it follows the titular avatar who is Aang, a young airbender um and he is one in the long line of reincarnated avatars who can control control all four elements um none no other people can so he uh is discovered after being missing for a hundred years uh having been frozen in ice and he um is basically tasked with uh bringing the the world back to harmony because in the, his absence, the Fire Nation has uh, tr basically terrorized the entire world and attempted to 
conquer everyone. It's a very simple, very basic hero's journey. You've seen it before in Star Wars, but it's a an amazing show that pulls influence not from its anime aesthetic. It's very influenced by that, but also from a whole blend of East Asian cultures that I think um, is kind of the perfect response to what we've seen with cultural appropriation, for example, in that it it plays loving homage to all these East Asian cultural and mytholo- mythological references, and yet never feels appropriative in any way, because you know that it's referencing back to these cultures and doing it in a way that uh, is very respectful. And it's just got some great characters, some of the best storytelling, not only in animated uh, TV, but also I think in TV in general. And you probably won't believe me, but I'm... I'm going to say that. Um, so <laughs> this live action series is being developed for Netflix. Uh, it's supposed to go into production in 2019. Uh, we don't know much about it, uh, except that it will be a reimagining and will probably be, be a remake of the original series. Um, Avatar Last Airbender also spawned a uh, spinoff series, a kind of sequel called The Legend of Korra, which takes place, I think, 50 70 years after the original series and follows a new avatar who is reincarnated after Aang. And um, so this, based on the concept art that we've seen, will look like it'll be a live action uh, retelling or remake of the original series. Now, I, I have many friends that tell me this is the either one of or the best animated series of all time. Like, yes. this gets praise from a lot of people. Like, I, I don't think everybody has seen... Uh, the Last Airbender, but the people that have, like, it, we it's do not a, speak of it. Yeah, it's a rabid fan base. Like, it, they they love this uh, thing, and I feel like more people probably, generally in public, probably have seen the M Night Shyamalan live action movie. Uh, yeah, which. Uh, which we do not speak of. <laughs> yeah, we have blocked it from our collective memory. It does not exist. um yeah it it was pretty terrible and so i haven't really seen this show i've seen a couple episodes and it looks like it was i mean from all indications it it was a great show Uh, everybody i know and trust says says so i just haven't had the time uh you know we're in peak television especially now uh Mm -hmm. but uh and uh dave filoni was uh directed a bunch of episodes of that first season uh who's part of Mm -hmm. uh you know star wars clone wars and uh the upcoming resistance and rebel shows uh chris do you have any love for avatar the last airbender no, I've I've never seen it. I'm aware of it, but I've never actually seen it or or the uh, the movie that everyone hates. So I, I'm, I'm 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 aware of it. I've just never actually seen it. It's very good. It is very um, at the beginning, especially. It's very uh, kid friendly and much more kind of silly and lighthearted. But towards the end, it definitely gets a lot darker and more mature. But it still maintains that lighthearted feel. Cora is the one that is much more complex and. Um, sort of adult-oriented. Uh, it deals with a lot of themes of... Both of them deal with themes of imperialism and corruption and technology and stuff. So it's really fascinating. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a great show. Um, I recommend it. Uh, if you get put off a little bit by the kind of kiddishness of the f- first episodes, I recommend just powering through it because it gets so good. And uh, Mark Hamill also stars in... Um, in the series, he voices the villain, of course. Uh, <laughs> of course. In, the, in a real sort of reversal of Star Wars, which was really interesting, he plays kind of the emperor type in this, in this show. So it's, it's very good. 
okay, I, I know you didn't want to speak of the M. Night Shyamalan movie, but but it was a live action thing, and this is uh, this going to be a live action series. So I wanted to ask you, as someone who is, you know, a fan of this property, what can they learn from the mistakes of that movie going into the series? Well, the first, the biggest mistake, uh, as many of you know, is probably the whitewashing in uh, the M. Night Shyamalan movie because it the the director who is uh, Indian American he did cast Indian actors in the role of the Fire Nation which is kind of also problematic because he cast the one uh, nation of color as the villains but he also whitewashed the main characters who are um, all based on separate sort of East Asian or Asian uh, ethnicities the the Water Nation, for example, who are based in like the Arctic and South Poles, are very much based in indigenous Eskimo or um, Arctic tribes. Whereas the the Fire Nation is kind of mirrors the Japanese um, Japanese society and its own sort of uh, imperialism that we know that took place historically. So, and it's really interesting that that this this show is like delineated very much in this the real life context but uh they erased all of that in the movie and basically just cast three white kids who can't act yeah and um they and also just it this show is so rich and richly realized and so fantastically choreographed in its action scenes and when the movie came about that's the one thing that i really anticipated seeing these come to life on on the big screen in live action and it was just the most tedious boring uh choreographing of blocking of these action scenes i'd ever seen and like for the earth bending for example which is supposed to be um so powerful that these vendors could move mountains and create walls in, in, in an instant was basically just like five guys moving tiny pebbles across <laughs> across a, a plane and it was the worst it was just terribly realized and definitely not in the vein at all of the original series. So I'm hoping, I don't know if they can achieve even that on a Netflix budget, but Netflix does have a a history of just like throwing money at its properties. <laughs> so I'm hoping that if they want to tackle this series, which really requires a large, almost biblical scope, uh, that Netflix will give them the budget that they need to create this world and create this, the action scenes and the, the storytelling that this series deserves I, I i hope so too chris i'm just curious because i know that you you know when you hear a movie is bad that does not stop you from going out and seeking it out and uh are you trying to get him to watch the m night Shyamalan movie Peter? no no I'm, I'm, I'm curious why he has avoided it for so long i don't know i just i think it was because you know i never watched the series so the film never really appealed to him i mean i mean I'm a I'm an M Night Shyamalan fan. I even stuck with him when most people uh, <laughs> pretty much turned their backs on him, and you know he's come full circle now. Where he's it's like oh he's good again. But I I pretty much always enjoyed what he was doing, even you know when his career got at its lowest. But I think it was just because I never watched the series, so I never really felt an urge to see the movie, and I I especially don't now now that I have only heard nothing but terrible things about it. <laughs> Well, cool. Uh, let's move on to, you know, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about uh, MoviePass and AMC A-List and even Cinemia. Um, Cinemia is kind of like the third uh, company in this uh, trifecta of companies that are offering these movie theater subscriptions. And until now, they their plans 
have been okay, but like nothing I would consider getting. Uh, but yesterday they, they announced a new unlimited plan. Chris, tell us about it. Uh, yeah, so for twenty nine ninety nine a month, Cinemia is offering unlimited 2D movie tickets to any movie theater in the United States for any movie at any time, uh, which is pretty good. Um, you know, the caveat is that it does not include IMAX or 3D films, so there is that. But, uh, you know, as far as restrictions go, that's not too bad. This is, this is pretty good, and, you know, uh, you don't need a card for this. You just use their app. So you just basically, you know, use the app. You can go see any movie anywhere for twenty nine ninety nine per month. Uh, you know, as long as it's not three D or IMAX. So that that's definitely a good option now that <sighs> Movie Pass is whatever it is it's doing. I don't know what Movie Pass is doing. <laughs> it's slowly descend. Uh, you know, it's slowly falling into the abyss at this point. This is the price uh, that Movie Pass originally was uh, before they you know went down to their insane you know prices of like you know nine ninety nine a month. Uh, HD, I know you are still you still have Movie Pass, right? I do. Yeah. Until my year-long uh, subscription <laughs> ends. <laughs> uh, after your year-long subscription ends, would you consider – would this be enough to con- uh, consider over AMC A-List? Like, A-List is good, but you can only see movies at a- AMC theaters, which I think limits the amount of independent films you can see. This, you could see movies anywhere. Like, if I got this, I could I could see movies at the Arclight, guys. I could be, I could be living large. Um HD, would you consider either of these after your subscription ends? I think I would. Um, before this, I was considering doing both Movie Pass and AMC so I could have the best of both worlds. But Cinemia, if it offers basically all of that in the best of both worlds, then maybe I would just switch to Cinemia because it, it does have the tiered planning as well. So that would be really ideal. And I like the idea of doing of being able to access more than just AMC because again, the AMCs near me don't really offer a lot of the indie films that I want to watch. Yeah, see, I've just come become so accustomed with AMC A list to going to these movies in like IMAX and uh, those uh, you know their AMC Prime theaters, which have like the uh, reclining seats and like the big screen and Dolby Vision. And I know I sound like an AMC ad, but. Uh, but I, I miss being able to see like independent movies early. Like AMC gets some indie movies, but like it's when they kind of like go nationwide. So it's usually like a few weeks after, if at all, uh, after they you know play it like you know like ArcLight or some of those theaters around me. So uh, I don't know, and I think it'd probably be too much to have two services. I, I'm gonna have to do some thinking about this. Uh, Chris, are you tempted by either of these? I know. Uh, you're not even a really a movie theater guy. You, you're wait till uh, you can see it at home, right? Yeah, I am, and or you know, press screenings. So yeah, uh, I I'm not gonna pay this. Sorry, Cinemia. I mean, if I if I were <laughs> picking something, I would think this is a pretty good deal. But yeah, for for me, um, no, no, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Netflix. Uh, a new study has shown that this rumored uh, – it was rumored that Netflix might add advertisements to the mix. And a new study shows that they could lose a substantial amount of subscribers if they were to do this. HD, what do we know? 
So we all know that Netflix is ad-free. That's what we pay for. That's what we expect. But um, there were some reports that Netflix was testing out a feature that would essentially uh, promote its own content uh, in between like breaks of its uh, of streaming a TV show or a movie, uh, essentially in programming ads. And um, a study by Hub found that uh, 1,612 UST viewers between the ages of 16 to 74 said that they would unsubscribe from Netflix if the streaming service, um, oh, not, not all of them, but 23% said that they would unsubscribe from Netflix if the streaming service added ads, uh, while 41% said they would definitely keep or probably keep their subscription and 37% remain undecided. However, these numbers were under the condition that Netflix pricing would remain the same with the addition of ads. But if you have to pay more or less for ads, for example, uh, like Am- like Hulu does uh, with the ad-free service, then Hub Survey found that only 16% of viewers would cancel their subscriptions. Hmm. What about you guys? I know that both of you are Netflix subscribers. If they were to add ads in between uh, programming uh, and keep the price the same, would that uh, make you cancel or want to cancel? Hmm. I don't <laughs> think I would cancel. <laughs> I mean, it makes it sound like such addicts. It's just like it's just so simple. And, and Netflix does have almost everything. Well, m- almost everything of recent content. If you want to go back in time and history, then you're gonna have to go somewhere else. But it's just so easy to have Netflix on your fin- on your fingertips now. Yeah. And ads i already deal with ads for hulu and i pay the minimum amount uh and i don't mind them i would consider for netflix uh maybe paying a higher price because i really already dislike the um netflix algorithm and homepage that keeps pushing insatiable (laughs) towards me i don't want to watch that show please stop it um (laughs) i would probably just not want to just want to be able to choose what I want with Netflix because I found their algorithm to be very shaky at best. Yeah. Um, Chris, I know, you know, you watch a lot of stuff for, you know, to write about on the site, but if you weren't, if you had to imagine a world that, you know, you didn't have to cover Netflix for a living, you were just enjoying it as a normal human being. Uh, if they were to add ads to the mix, would that be enough to make you cancel? I don't know. I mean, I want to say yes, but I also feel like I'd, I'd be so lazy. I would just instantly <laughs> like roll over and put up with it. Like, uh, okay. like I'd be, ang- I'd be angry for like a week and then I'd be like, whatever, I'm over it. I, I do, you know, I have Hulu and I, you know, I pay for the lowest one. And I will say the Hulu ads are maddening because they play the same horrible. They play like the same two ads over and over again, and it gets to a point where I feel like I'm like going to go insane. So, but at the same time, I have yet to give up Hulu or upgrade to a more expensive tier. So, you know, I, I would probably just complain about it, but also just you know grin and bear it. See, I feel like I'm the, the only one on the staff that is willing to pay extra to have no ads. Like, I feel like, um, guys, my time is valuable. <laughs> and, and I don't want to be sitting there for the full hour with the ads. I, I you know, I want to get through a show in 45 minutes and not have the interruption of the, the flow of the story. And, like, for me, $5 more a month or whatever it is is worth it for me. Like, so I feel like uh, I feel like I would be upset if Netflix just ad, added advertisements but didn't allow me to pay extra to, um, you know, avoid that. 
But uh, I don't know. I'm not, I can't quit Netflix. Netflix is just like I feel like I watch more Netflix than I do all of the rest of the TV options at this point, which is kind of sad. But um, let's move on to Nicolas Cage, uh, who apparently wants to do a movie for Blumhouse. And uh, Jason Blum already has an idea. Chris, tell us about it. Uh, yeah, so during an interview, um, Nicolas Cage is out promoting Mandy, which is uh, great, and he's great in it. And during um, this particular interview, it's just some for some reason Blumhouse came up, and the interviewer asked him, you know, would you want to do a Blumhouse movie? And Nicolas Cage uh, seemed very enthusiastic about the idea. He, you know, he, he was well aware of what Blumhouse does. And um, he, you know, basically said, I certainly would not hesitate to, you know, work with them. And uh, with that in mind, the the same interviewer later sat down with Jason Blum and told him about this. And Jason Blum was thrilled with the idea. And, you know, he said he too is a Nicolas Cage fan and he'd love to work with him. And he immediately came up with this idea on the spot where uh, Nicolas Cage would star in a film where he plays a concerned father of a, a teenage boy who has something terrible happen to him. I mean, I don't know where he got this idea. It just came out of nowhere, apparently. But that was Jason Blum's immediate idea for a Nicolas Cage Blumhouse film. And <laughs> so there you have it. This is one of those things like, you know, a lot of times people will run stories where so-and-so says, you know, I'd love to be in a movie. I, You know, I'd love to play yeah. Batman. And that's not really news. That's just like wishful thinking. But this actually seems like something with actual weight behind it because Jason Blum, you know, obviously controls Blumhouse and he seems very into the idea so this might actually happen and on top of that Nicolas Cage seems to have uh no problems doing almost any kind of movie at this point <laughs> so I'm assuming whatever Blumhouse came up could come up with uh he might be might have an interest in it um I, I I'm really wondering like I don't know what is your feeling on Blumhouse films in general Chris uh, I like most of them. Some of them are just terrible, and some <laughs> and some some are pretty good. It's it's a it's a okay mix. I mean, I think they're very good at test marketing their films. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Blumhouse does this thing where they they test their movies through the roof. Basically, they do many 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 test screenings, and if the test screenings go bad, they pretty much dump their movies. Like they they have a, a handful of films that they've pretty much just dumped right to VOD and DVD because they just did not test well. So they're, they're very good at, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what audiences want and it doesn't always work out for the best. You know, you, you end up with streamlined, uh, cheap stuff, but for the most part, they've put out a handful of really memorable horror films and also some crap. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fair mix. I'd say. I mean, I guess even if it's one of the more crappier Blumhouse movies, I would watch it just for the over-the-top, you know, Nicolas Cage uh, performance in the mix. Uh, let's move on to our next story. We were talking about how uh, there was this story. Someone tweeted that basically they had bought some movies on Apple iTunes and Apple had removed the movies from their account. Uh, we, we had this whole discussion on the podcast last week over uh, does that mean that digital movies and buying digital movies is like, you know, not something you should do. Should we stick with physical media? We're not going to bring that back up again. But uh, there, there is a... Uh, 
a conclusion to the story of some sort. Uh, Apple has commented, uh, HT, what do we know? So five days after that story went viral, Apple has finally issued a response. And it kind of reiterates what we already know. So, um, quote, any movies you've already downloaded can be enjoyed at any time and will not be deleted unless you've chosen to do so. If you change your country setting, some movies may not be available to re-download from the movie store if the version you purchased isn't also available in the new country. If needed, you can change your country setting back to your prior country to re-download those movies. So the first part of that statement, what whatever you downloaded can be enjoyed at any time, is a workaround that we're already kind of aware of. Like if you download it to your computer, it'll be there. It's the old fashioned, uh, physical, almost closest to physical way of keeping a movie as possible. It's not in your. It's in addition to your iTunes library, you have it in a backup in your hard drive, essentially. Uh, the second, the latter part of this statement, where you talk, they talk about the country setting, is actually very specifically. Um, targeted to the first person who made this story go viral because he had um, Anders G. Da Silva. Um, this issue went viral because he had emigrated from Australia to Canada and he had lost three of his Apple, Apple um, movie purchases because the movies that he had bought when in Australia um, were not available in Canada. And that's why they disappeared and were deleted from his account. Uh, it's kind of similar to what we've seen with Netflix movies, for example, and having different IPs in different countries. Uh, movies are available in uh, England that are not available in the US, for example. Um, it's kind of similar, except in this case, we've actually bought these movies and you'd expect them to stay with us when we cross oceans, but they do not. Yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess it makes sense because if they didn't do this, then maybe there would be some kind of workaround where like you could log in in a different, in a different country and then buy a movie and then you'd be able to access that movie in the country that it's not allowed in. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It, it, I think the key takeaway here is if you are worried about your movies disappearing and I have hundreds of movies, I've never had one disappear from my my iTunes library, but if you are worried, buy an external hard drive, download every movie purchase you make to the hard drive just to be safe. But uh, I live, you know, I watch the movies on my Apple TV and I stream it from Apple. And uh, I'm sure one day one of my movies will disappear because of some kind of rights issue or something. But uh, I'm just not worried about it. But uh, I know people like uh, Chris. <laughs> you know, are holding on to the physical media uh, until death. So, uh, but let's let's move on to our next story, and that is a new film from director Brian Singer. I didn't think this would be coming so quickly uh, after what what is uh, what has happened. Chris, tell us about it. Uh, yeah, so um, Millennium Pictures or Millennium Films has been trying to get a Red Sonia movie made for uh, almost a decade now. And I, I, I think I was writing about a Red Sonia movie in like the first years of Slash Film, and that was 13 years ago or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's been going on for a long time. At one point, Robert Rodriguez was going to produce it and Rose McGowan was going to star in it. And it kept going through all these iterations. And now apparently it's finally happening with Brian Singer directing. And this is uh, troubling for several reasons. One is, you know, Brian Singer has several um, allegations plaguing him throughout his career. And, you know, I won't go 
you know, I won't get into that. You know, it's, it's a, it's a long, uh, complicated story, but even if you don't think those allegations are true, he also has a, a well-recorded history of basically just not even showing up. I mean, he was fired from Bohemian Rhapsody for literally not showing up on set. And there's been rumors for years that this is a, a, a sort of a pattern with him where he just keeps not showing up on sets and other people have to finish his films for him. So you would think in a sane world that would pretty much destroy his career. But no, in Hollywood, uh, I guess you can get away with anything. And now as long as you are successful, Chris, you just keep on falling upwards. I guess so. And not Mm. only that, but this story literally says, you know, that he's being offered a huge payday for this. And the idea is that this will help rehabilitate his image. And when I read that, I literally wanted to just grind my teeth down into powder because why, why (laughs) he doesn't, he just does not really, he doesn't deserve this. It's, it's nuts to me that, He's just getting this chance to make this movie. Like anyone could make this movie. Give it to literally anyone else. I, I don't get it, but that, <laughs> that's where we are. And I, I guess I guess it's par for the course here in the hell year that is 2018. You, you know, all, all the allegations against uh, Brian Singer aside, um, would you think that a person of his talents, the films that he has made, do you think he's the right person for basically like? It's Red, Red Sonja is kind of like the female Conan the Barbarian, right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, it, it's like a spinoff of, of Conan yeah, with a female warrior. Yeah, so like, do you think Brian Singer as a filmmaker is right for this project? You know, aside no, from ab- all the... No? <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't think Brian Singer is a bad filmmaker. I like some of his films. Like, I still think The Usual Suspects is really well made, although I think a lot of that has to do with this, the screenplay. And But yeah, this, you know this is such a female centric film. Why not find a, you know, a female filmmaker to do this? I mean, one of the things that this is being compared to is, you know, this is like millennium films. They're hoping to attract the same audience as, you know, wonder woman, but wonder woman was directed by Patty Jenkins, you know, find a female filmmaker, find anyone, but Brian Singer, he does, he shouldn't have this. He should have nothing anymore. He should be done in Hollywood. HD. Do you have a differing opinion? I'm betting not. (laughs) Nope. Everything that Chris just said, I agree with wholeheartedly. Brian Singer should not be working. Anyone who says that in this era of Me Too, the there's no second chances for men. There are second chances. He didn't do his time, whatever this the the saying is here. He did no time at all, and I just it, it infuriates me. Yeah, and uh, unlike a lot of people, there was like no apology. There was no anything. But um, I don't know. I you know all, all the allegations aside, I just don't. You know, I was never a person that loved Conan the Barbarian anyways, So, and I'm not a big uh, swords and uh, fantasy kind of guy. I just don't think I want a Red Sonja movie. But, um, I don't know. Apparently, we're getting one from Brian Singer. Uh, I, I guess we'll just have to not watch it, right? So, uh, let's move on to uh, a... A female-led project that I can get behind, and that is Marvel's Captain Marvel. Uh, the trailer came out this morning. Uh, Brie Larson stars as the, uh, the the character from the title of the movie. And uh, we have all watched the trailer. Uh, and you can watch the trailer on SlashFilm.com. So I thought we would uh, 
this place would be a good place to give our opinions on the trailer. So uh, let's start it off with HT. What, what did you think of the Captain Marvel trailer? I was excited. Um, so I did not expect this story to go in the direction that it did, which is essentially Carol Danvers falling to Earth and not remembering any of her past her like human life her life on earth which intrigued me and um it's very it's very um muted colors it's very gritty it's kind of something you don't really expect in an mcu movie which is generally brighter in in palette it almost looks like something out of the warner brothers dceu which is sort of a mixed thing to say but it's i think it's a really um interesting approach for this movie, which uh, is very, it seems very dark, and um, I I love Brie Larson. I can't wait to see her in this role. And um, the moment there's a moment in the movie in the trailer that really excited me, where you see her fall um, as in a, as an adult, and you see her get up as a kid, and then later on in like different aspects of her life. And it was a moment that really spoke to me because not only did it remind me of the finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> in which um, it's basically encourages all women to to stand up and, you know, use their powers and to empower themselves. It was a moment I feel like that was kind of that special hero uh, moment that you get, in, that we got in Wonder Woman and that we get in other films that we haven't seen lately. It's um, something that's played straight, you know, that accepting of the mantle or whatever. And I, I think it's really exciting. Um, I'm intrigued by the the space and the earth like plot lines. I'm not really sure where this movie is going to go, which is what kind of excites me as well, because I don't really know what to expect of it anymore. Uh, no, I think you're right. I think that like I think they've said that they're trying to go for that like 90s action movie kind of look. And this does look a little bit different than the other Marvel films. And uh, it is interesting that they're playing it off like this is an origin movie, but it's not going to start off with her origin story, uh, which is kind of neat. Uh, this trailer um, for me... I am excited for this movie, and I love Brie Larson, and there was moments in this trailer, like, the moment you speak of, I think is probably the coolest moment for me in the trailer, and uh, getting to see Samuel Jackson uh, de-aged is kind of cool, but uh, for me, I think the trailer was a little bit underwhelming. I think maybe it's just that this is, like, the first trailer, it's a teaser trailer, and we're not getting to see much of her in action, and uh, that's kind of what I want to see, is I want to see, like... What are Captain Marvel's powers and how do they look on the big screen? Um, but I, I am certainly excited for this. Uh, but it, it was, uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't like when I saw the trailer for Infinity War and I was jumping in my seat. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, what did you think of the Captain Marvel trailer? Uh, I, I ended up liking this more than I expected to. Not that I, you know, thought this movie's going to be bad or anything. I've just, you know, I'm a little burned out on. Marvel in general, but uh, you know that moment you both talked about, where you know she falls down and you see her getting up, uh, you know, throughout the ages. That really got to me. I thought that was really well done. I don't know if that's even going to play out like that in the final film, or if it's just something they cut together for the trailer, because that could end up not even being like that in the final film. But it works really well here, and I, you know, I did get a kick out of the opening where she crashes into a blockbuster. I thought that was a great way to set up. <laughs> You know, that, oh, this is set in the 90s. I thought that was a, a neat little visual trick. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm not like, uh, I'm not like hyped for this, but uh, it definitely looks like it could end up being pretty good. I will say, Peter, along the lines of what you were saying, I was a little disappointed that we didn't hear her speak a lot. She said like 
two lines, but most of it was Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury kind of narrating, oh, you're a person who fell to earth, you're a soldier, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, okay, well, what about her? When is she going to speak? The, the narration's so weird. He's like, and there was a car chase scene, and then there was a, like, and it's like showing the car chase, and it was like, then there was this space battle, or, oh no, it's just like very weird narration. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure they were trying to appeal to the Marvel fans that like want to be like, oh, there's a hook to the Marvel, the bigger Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, but this trailer to me felt like, it was something that was edited. You know, this premiered on Good Morning America. Um, and I think this... I think this trailer was edited to appeal to the demographic that watches Good Morning America <laughs> and not Marvel fans. Uh, do, you, do you agree or disagree with me there? <laughs> I can kind of see that. It definitely feels very much like a teaser trailer. Yeah. Just not really showing us anything except for flashes of what we'll see in this movie. More so to just kind of intrigue audiences rather than to get them really hooked at one point did we see her like like punching an old lady or something yeah <laughs> like, we what did. is going on there it must be a scroll uh, right it must be a scroll that's what i that's what i assumed immediately <laughs> but it was a very it was a very shocking moment yeah that's so weird to put that in there because a lot of people probably don't even know that the scrolls are in the movie and like you just see like this the hero character punching an old lady on a train or whatever it is uh i know brad did a whole uh, uh, trailer breakdown for us where he goes through image by image uh, and breaks down what's happening and shows you some stuff that you might have missed when you watch the trailer in, uh, you know, it's uh, normal speed. Uh, so check that out. I'll link it in the show notes. And there's one last thing I want to bring up. I know that we are running way over time, but uh, they also released the first uh, teaser poster for Captain Marvel which uh, features an interesting hidden Easter egg. So uh, if you want to discover that now, you go to go search the Captain Marvel uh, poster and see if you can find it. But uh, if you want to be spoiled and you want to know about it, Chris is going to tell us about it. Chris, tell us about it. Oh, yeah. So in the, the left-hand corner of the Captain Marvel poster, you see a cat's butt. And, uh, you know, if you don't know the Captain Marvel lore, you might just think, oh, that's a, an amusing little cat cameo. But in doing research, I learned that Captain Marvel actually has a cat in the comics named Chewie. And as it turns out, this cat actually isn't really a cat. It's just an alien that looks like a cat. So the, you know... It, 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 it seems to hint that this alien cat will indeed be appearing in the film in some form. And so there you have it. This, 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 um, this seems to confirm there's a lot more to this movie than this trailer certainly lets on because there's no cat in the trailer. So be on the lookout for the alien cat in Captain Marvel when it hits theaters next year. You know, just hearing about this makes me think that the alien cat is going to steal the show. Like, I just, I just imagine that we're going to have, uh, you know, uh, it's memes and gifts and it's just going to be like, you know, the new poor. It's going to be the porg of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but uh, and it's it's kind of fun that they put them that they hid the cat in the poster. I know I was looking through Twitter and when it first showed up that like people were like, oh, there's a cat there. Some people didn't actually believe. That was in the poster. Like, thought it was just like you know someone. I, I, like Chris, I know you like to Photoshop things and tweet out images to uh, to troll people and have yeah, fun. I, I actually <laughs> thought this was fake too until I went back and like looked at the actual email from Disney and saw it really was in there. Yeah, 
<laughs> it's I didn't a, realize it was a cat butt, which makes it even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go check it out. Uh, we have a whole post about it on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. Uh, Chris, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, I'm at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at Evangelista 413 HT, where can we find more of your work? I'm also at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at HTranBooie. You can find me at SlashFilm.com, at SlashFilm, on all social media. You can find all the stories we talked about today on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. This podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And uh, if you can, go to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a positive review. That helps us quite a bit. And we will see you tomorrow. Okay, guys, I have a proposition for you. Okay. You, uh, Netflix announces that you can subscribe to Netflix for $5 a month, but every for every hour you're going to get 20 minutes of commercials. Or yeah. you have to pay $20 a month to get the non-commercial Netflix. What would you do? I think I would definitely go for that $5 one because, you know, the commercials pop up. I would just leave the room for 20 minutes. I could put up with that. Yeah, I'd probably go for the $5 one, too. That's so cheap. But, but 20 <laughs> minutes, you're, you're spending 20 more minutes for every hour you're watching. For every two episodes of Stranger Things, you're wasting another 40 minutes. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that that is willing can, to pay. You can go have a snack. You have a twenty minute snack. Yeah, come take a back. bathroom break. Yeah, but maybe it's not twenty <laughs> minutes. Yoga. It, me, me, okay, maybe it's five minute break spread throughout the show, like who, like uh, yeah, Hulu. Oh, so it adds up. Five I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's tough to say because I, I, you know, I, I like no commercials, but I also like having more money. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm poor, Peter. <laughs> <laughs>